Andy and Sarah are friends of mine, and they're also been a vital part of Valley Church for many years. And uh, they also happen to be Facebook friends of mine. And a few months ago, Sarah posted something on Facebook uh, about her husband, Andy. She says, I was digging through the basement. I found this gem from Andy when he was in eighth grade. So here is a picture she had kept all these years of eighth grade Andy. And on the flip side of it, here's what Andy wrote to Sarah. Sarah, you are a nice person. Too bad things didn't work out for us, but you're still a great friend. Love, Andy. Don't you just love that? And apparently, something happened there. Apparently, um, Sarah's dad said, Ixnay on the boyfriend in eighth grade, can't do that. And then later on, Andy said she was too young, and so whatever, he was a few years older. So anyway, they, this didn't work out. But apparently things did work out because somehow they got back together years later and they've been married for 22 years. They have two delightful children, ages 13 and 10, and, you know, and they're living on point and, and, and following Jesus Christ. So there was a potential there. It looked like it was all done, but God ignited something and the rest is history. And I think in all of our lives, there's areas of our lives where we have potential, but we've not yet fully realized that. Uh, and I'm not just talking about a relationship or marriage or anything. I'm just talking about all of life. I'm talking about workplace. I'm talking about uh, our neighborhoods. I'm talking about uh, friendships. I'm talking about the impact that we can have. Because each one of us are made in the image and likeness of God, we have this incredible potential uh, in, our, in our lives. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, there's incredible potential because the Holy Spirit lives within us. And the, the mission of Valley Church is stated this way, to mobilizing everyone's God-given potential to deeply love Christ and their neighbors. So we're saying we're on mission to see that potential within you mobilized so that you can deeply experience the love of Christ in your heart and follow him with great love and, and, and diligence and hope, but also to deeply love your neighbors. And even for our neighbors who have not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ, because they're made in the image and likeness of God, they too have a God-given potential. And what would happen if somehow they could get connected through the good works and the goodwill that's created to, to discover the good news of Jesus Christ? What would happen in their lives? They would discover everyone's God-given potential to deeply love Christ and their neighbors. So I want to take a passage of scripture that we actually looked at last week, Acts chapter 11, 19 to 30. And we're actually going to take a total of four weeks to dive into this passage. It's about a great church 2,000 years ago, the church at Antioch, and some incredible things that happened there. So we covered it last week, but I want to come back to it with some really practical um, uh, application. And what we're going to see is just as, as in that situation with Andy and Sarah, there had to be some shifts. There had to be some changes. There had to be some maturity. There had to be some uh, transformation that happened to see the potential realized. So also there needs to be some shifts in mentality and outlook in actions in lifestyle for us to experience our God-given potential. But first, let's listen to the Word of God together, Acts chapter 11, 19 to 30. 
Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. So this incredible movement of God was ignited at Antioch, and it was through the ordinary, um, it was this kind of unnamed army. At the early parts of the book of Acts, you have, you know, the, 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 the well-known Peter and, 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 and James and John, and then we get uh, Barnabas, and eventually we get Saul. But now this is an unnamed army who are experiencing persecution, and they scatter, but they share the good news wherever they go, and they end up in this crazy, very, very uh, pagan city called Antioch. We talked all about that last weekend. But I want to talk about what made the difference. How did it happen that this incredible transformation happened in their lives, but also in their city? And I'm going to talk about first, in our mission statement, I'm going to talk about mobilizing everyone's God-given potential to deeply love Christ. That's what happens in our hearts. So what are the shifts that need to happen to see that incredible transformation? Well, the first shift I want to mention is moving from believing falsehood to believing the good news. You see, I'm going to mention very quickly, rapid fire uh, in our time together, uh, about a dozen major essential shifts and transformation in perspective, in beliefs, in lifestyle, and actions that are going to need to happen to see you and our community reach our God-given potential. So my hope today is that you will latch on to at least one of these uh, mentality shifts, paradigm shifts, if you will, uh, so that you can reach your God-given potential and so that you can also impact our community to reach their God-given potential. So just take even one of these, maybe a couple of them. The first one I already mentioned, believing falsehood to believing good news. So they're at Antioch. This was the, it says here in verse 20, but there were some of them, men from Cyprus, Cyrene, who came to Antioch and they began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. So these Greeks who were polytheistic, uh, they were coming out of their pagan temples, very idolatrous backgrounds, and they were believing the good news. They had to make a choice to reject the falsehoods that they had been believing, that there were many gods, that we, uh, that 
we, we see these uh, gods made in our own image and likeness to, uh, to, to a God who made us in his image and likeness. And they needed to believe that. So when you and I, when anyone comes to faith in Christ, it involves a fundamental, essential, life-altering change of belief and, and loyalty. Um, and, and what the mentality shift that needs to happen in my life and in yours is there are certain falsehoods that we believe before coming to faith in Christ. And even after that, there are certain things that we believe that aren't really true. And what we need to do is be willing to own those, to name those falsehoods that we've been believing, those idols we have, the things that we value as much as or more than God himself, and say, I'm willing to shift to believe the good news. I'm willing to shift to believe the truth of the scriptures. And we begin, of course, by crossing that line of faith to trust in Jesus Christ, his death for our sins, his resurrection to give us life. But we continue that on. It's a lifelong process where we, we, be, we keep rejecting idols, things that are just as important or more important to us than God? Is there anything in your life to you that you're looking to to give you hope and fulfillment and, and joy greater than God himself? And, and if that's the truth, you're going to have to shift away. If you want to reach your God-given potential, you have to move away from that falsehood that you've been believing. And our culture constantly creates these. And the human heart is an idle factory, said one theologian. We're going to move away from those to embrace the truth, the good news of the Bible. So when, there, when, when one's got to go, which one is it? Is that falsehood that we're believing or is it we're going to embrace the good news? Okay, let's keep going. Um, another fundamental essential shift in mentality is from, uh, from believing in religion, human generated religious practice to believing God's grace. Look at verse 21. It says, the Lord's hand was with them and a large number, number who believed turned to the Lord. So they had this kind of polytheistic belief, but instead they, they turned to the Lord. And it says, news about them reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. Look at verse 23. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, the grace of God, he was glad. So religion... Their beliefs were all about what we need to do to reach God. It's about what we do for God. It is every religion outside of the Christian faith is fundamentally about somehow we perform well enough. We, we appease God somehow. We, we do enough good things. We score high enough so that we're somehow joined to God or, or forgiven or whatever it was. And Christianity is all about grace. It's not about performance. Christianity is not about what we do for God, but what God does for us and in us. It's about grace. Sometimes we want to, in our own lives, not really depend on grace. Yes, we need to be active, but we need to depend on the grace of God in our lives. And sometimes we want to add little extra things. This, this, uh, this week, uh, we had some staff outings to the Iowa Cubs, and one of the members of our staff, our, our Valley Global Director, Don Long, went and got some, um, some pop to drink, and he brought it back, and he started sipping it, and he says, wow, there's something extra in here. And he, he looked into it, and he pulled out this. It was actually the nozzle from the soda machine. And that was kind of gross anyway, but you don't really want that. And, and what we tend to do is kind of add our own stuff, the, the pure grace of God. And then we like, we're going to add this in there. And it spoils it. It ruins it. So one mentality shift that has to happen is to 
move from this kind of performance-based, God is only happy with me if I'm perfect, to really depending on the grace of God. Do you believe that? Do you really? All right, let's go on to the next shift. To deeply love Christ, we have to move from being double-minded to having devoted hearts. Look at verse 23. When Barnabas arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. One of the key uh, elements of experiencing your God-given potential is to move from being double-minded, like going back and forth in your commitment to Jesus, to being wholehearted, to saying my whole heart belongs to you. Because we want to experience God's full potential in our hearts. Uh, James talks about this when he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given it to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So the picture here is you want to pursue life. You want to experience God's full wisdom. So you ask him, Lord, show me what to do. And then he shows you in the word of God through prayer. And then you're like, uh, I don't know if I really want to do that because that sounds hard. And so you might initially receive it, but then in the end you go out and you do something different. And you're going back and forth. And what James says here is that you're never going to get anywhere. You're, you can't expect to receive anything from God when you're double-minded. When you, when you can't make up your mind, yes, I'm going to really follow Jesus. I really am. But when you, you say, I'm going to have a devoted heart, something can happen that is truly amazing. Sometimes we're not sure what we're supposed to do. It's kind of like this dog. Um, he, he really wanted to get the dog food, but it's like, yeah, but. There, this is a problem here. So yeah, sometimes you got to be patient with this. You know, sometimes the answer that God gives you doesn't look like it's going to work. And it's like, what am I, just wait, wait, you'll, you'll get there. But don't give up hope. You may, the skunk may have to walk away first. But then there's going to be your opportunity. All right? So beware of that kind of double-minded going back and forth, wholehearted. That's how you're going to experience God's full potential in your life. Okay, let's keep going. How do you deeply love Christ? How can you experience God's given potential? It's going to move from being complacent to being really growing in your faith. So uh, it says uh, here, so for a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. Can you imagine the teachers, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they're pouring into their students and these folks straight out of their pagan temples are just taking it all in. I mean, they are growing leaps and bounds. True, it was rough. It was messy. I'm sure there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened in that church. And yeah, we're going to stumble and fall sometimes. But there's a growth that happened. And over that course of that year, they were soaking in the Word of God. They were being saturated in the Word of God. And, um, and they became real disciples of Jesus. Uh, a disciple is, is what I'll call an ING person, ING person. They're growing. They're following. They're maturing. Okay? So, so guys, um, there are some people that have been following Jesus for a long time, but they're not growing any longer. They, they've kind of 
You know, they just kind of hit status quo. Here's a chart, I'll show you what I mean. So there's this, you know, here's tens of super Christian, and there's this eight person that, you know, pretty strong Christian, but for years and years and years, their time as a believer, they've just stayed there. They're not reaching their full potential. And then there's this, this person who is just a brand new believer, but they're starting to grow and they're growing and they're taking what they learn and they're applying it to life. And every day they're just growing, growing, growing. Eventually, they're going to reach their full potential. It's not going to happen all in one day, but it's better to be a growing two, if you will, than a stagnant or complacent eight. Because eventually it's not going to stay in eight. It's going to actually slow the decline over time because nothing uh, stays the same forever like that. So, so ask yourself this question, am I a growing disciple or have I been kind of complacent lately? To reach your full potential, you want to be moving. You want to be taking on new challenges, new opportunities and letting God stretch you. Okay. People who want to be, people want to be spiritual superstars. We talked about this last weekend, uh, but without taking the sacrifices that um, it's going to take and that without growing daily. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So it's a, a day by day thing. Um, what does that mean? It means certainly being consistent in worship. You know, Woody Allen, he was a direct movie director. He says, he said, um, 90% of success is just showing up. And part of it is just that day by day, week by week, showing up, making worship the word a priority, uh, getting involved in a life group, getting involved in a Bible study, and just day by day, week by week, month by month, continuing to grow little by little, instead of being complacent, hit and miss, not consistent, all right? So that's another one. Okay, so that's, that's about deeply loving Christ. That's about uh, experiencing that growth. But let's move on now to being an impactful believer in Jesus. To not only deeply love Christ, but to deeply love our neighbors. Okay, here we go. This is, uh, is moving, uh, there's a, a few shifts in mentality. And, and the first one I want to mention is if you're going to deeply love our neighbors, we're, we're going to have to move from being comfortable to being on mission. So let's read about this early church at Antioch. It says, now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution, whoa, that sounds uncomfortable. And they had to run for their lives. Um, it says, they made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. So they had to run for their lives to other places. And they could have, I suppose, just kind of settled down in those new communities, stayed with each other, and kind of said, let's just play it comfortable. Let's just play it safe. And let's just get comfortable in these new environments. And we've been through so much. God doesn't really expect us to do anything for him or for our neighbors. Certainly these bunch of crazy people around us who don't know anything about the Old Testament. They don't know anything about Jesus. They weren't willing to do that. Instead, they, they were on mission. Look what it says. They made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word, speaking the word. And they started with their Jewish folks from their Jewish background, but eventually they made it to others. And, and I think what they realized here is that God had led them to this place. It wasn't an accident. It was a divine appointment. It was the life that God had for them. He had a new place for them. And they embraced that. And they said, we're going to live on mission. So no matter where you land, and it may not be someplace you want to be, 
But God has you there for a purpose, a divine appointment. And it could have been comfortable. I mean, they were being persecuted. They could have sought their own comfort, but instead they kept moving forward. Let me say this to you today. Wherever you are, you are there for a reason, a purpose. There are many of those reasons, but one of them I know is the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. God has placed you right in that spot, in the workplace, in, the, um, in your neighborhood, in school, wherever it might be, in this city, God has us here, you here, for a specific reason and purpose, and that is to be on mission. A lot of times you look at your heart and say, how do I respond when life doesn't go my way? And do I just seek out to be comfortable? Or am I really willing to be stretched? Am I really willing to embrace that this might be really kind of hard, but I'm going to stay on mission. I'm going to realize that God has put me here for a purpose. And I'm going to love the people who are my neighbors. I'm really going to do that. That is someone who reaches their full potential. That is someone who sees incredible things happening in their lives. They went from isolation, here's another principle, the shift, to deeply love our neighbors. They moved from isolation to engagement. Um, it says there were some of them, the radical among them, men from Cyprus, Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also. They moved from just kind of a holy huddle that would be safe and protected to really engaging with some people that were really far from God. And they had to learn a new language and a new culture that they were unfamiliar with. Here's a couple of sad truths. Uh, I've seen these in surveys. The average new believer in Jesus loses almost all their old friends non-Christian friends, after coming to faith in Christ, they lose all those old friends in about two years. The average believer. So they just isolate, and it's great to have Christian friends, and you need those, but they're no longer engaged in rubbing shoulders with the people who are far from God. Here's another really striking statistic. Uh, I saw this. Uh, the average follower of Jesus invites and brings a guest to church once every 28 years. Guys, that stat is unbelievably bad. Uh, and it shows somehow how we can become really, really isolated. And there's, there's a whole world of need out there. I saw this... Um, this little photo the other day, it says, sometimes when I close my eyes, I can't see. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I close my eyes to the things around me. I kind of isolate in my own world with my own comfortable friends. And I, I no longer see the people around me with the eyes of Jesus. I'm content to be isolated and instead, what God wants us to be is to be engaged with people who are far from God. Um, we're called to be ambassadors. It's hard for us. 
because after we've been a followers of Jesus for a while, we kind of learn the language and we, and, and we, we kind of learn the lingo and kind of learn how to do this. And we forget what it meant, what it was like to be far from God, to be lost, to be isolated, to, to not have hope in Jesus Christ. And then sometimes we, uh, we do engage, but then when we engage with people, we're, we're using language and terminology or we're, we're doing things that they completely don't understand at all, okay? So the other day I saw this, uh, this little photo of, um, of something in a, in a grocery store uh, and it was some donuts, some cherry donuts. And then it had this sticker attached to it that said boneless what in the world is that about? <laughs> I mean, that was obviously my mistake. But for somebody that made sense to them, and, and here's what I'm saying, is a lot of our non-Christian acquaintances and, um, and neighbors, this world of, of church, this world of faith, this world of Jesus, this world of following Christ is just, it doesn't make any sense to them. It's like, uh, it's like, boneless on a cherry donut. It's like, what? What are you talking about? And we need to learn how to enter into their world and say, um, how can I speak to them in, in a way that they'll understand? And that re really means, you know, we've talked about this before. It means developing friendships, discovering their stories, and then discerning the next steps. So are you willing to fulfill your God-given potential and to see your neighbors experience that fully? To move from an isolation to really true, honest, everyday engagement in their lives. Um, okay, let's move on. The, another shift is from, to deeply love our neighbors, is to move from silence to boldness. It says they began speaking to the Greeks also, these real outsiders, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. So they got bold with their faith. They didn't know how people were going to receive this. They didn't know, they knew these people didn't know anything about it, but they said, we're going to go bold. And they did. Sometimes we as believers, when we cross that line of faith, we, we think we enter into the kind of the witness protection program. We go undercover. We, we lack boldness. We, we get secretive about our faith. We, we get silent. We get quiet. And what God wants us to do is to, to get bold. And, and what I want to challenge you, and I, I talked to the life group we're a part of this week. This is something God's been pressing on my heart lately, is the Holy Spirit is going to sometimes, with, with some people that are uh, not yet followers of Jesus, uh, he's going to nudge you to, to, to take a bold step. And it may just be to continue a conversation. It may just be to, to, to engage with them in some way, shape, or form. But it's moving from silence, just letting it pass, to following that, prompting that nudge of the Holy Spirit into that conversation. Um, I had this recently. I was, um, I was with a, uh, an individual I didn't know that well. And we had some time. Uh, I had just met that person that day, actually. And he started talking about his life. And um, I just felt this kind of nudge of the Holy Spirit to say, ask a follow-up question and ask another follow-up question. And it wasn't long before this man who was 64 years old began telling me about his, his whole life. He basically told me his whole life story. He talked about his really violent past when he was in his 20s and how then he had been in this terrible car accident and, and somehow he believed that somehow God had spared his life and actually God had brought a healing to him. But it had gotten stuck there and he kind of wandered from the church. 
but he believed that God had a purpose for his life. He just wasn't sure what it was. And here we're having this conversation, and now he's 64, it's 40 years later, and, and we're having a conversation, and I'm having an opportunity to talk to him about what he believes. And then it naturally leads into me, and Ruth was there with me, to just naturally talk about our faith in Jesus and he was interested, in, and we traded car, business cards, and I said, let's stay in touch. And it was just this random, I never met this guy before in my life, just out and about. But it started because God had nudged me, and I, I fail lots of times, guys, but for one time in my life, I said, okay, I'm not going to be silent, I'm just going to be bold and follow that nudge. And look what God opened up. He's going to do that for you, if you're willing to, to follow that nudge. And then here's another one. To deeply love our neighbors, to move from status quo to influence. To saying no, it says, that's not, we're not satisfied with what things are right now. The Lord's hand was with them and a large number of people turned to the Lord. Wow, they saw some incredible things happen in Antioch. They, were, they, they saw things move from the status quo. This is remarkable. And there comes a point in every Christian's life, I hope, that says, you know what? I'm not satisfied. I call it the Popeye moment. Remember Popeye? There was times when he got so fed up with the circumstances, he had this line. He says, that's all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And I hope that you have that Popeye moment. You say, you know what? It is not okay for my neighbors, my coworkers, my non-Christian family, my city, my community, my nation to just remain the same. No. I want to see influence. I want to see changes. I want to see something happen. And guys, we've got these love you Des Moines days coming up. And I encourage you, this is our moment. This is the moment where we can truly step into that. Go to loveudsm.com. Loveudsm.com. And see the incredible opportunities that are there before us to make an impact in incredible ways. There's so, we got 150 activities. You can either start a new one or just join one that's happening. I, I heard one that was great. Um, and we got tons of them. But here's a life group. They've been going into an apartment complex that was primarily some folks who've immigrated here from Africa. And they've been reading just stories to kids for just for a long time. And now they're going to go to the next level. They're going to actually, during Lovey Des Moines days, not only just read stories to kids, they're going to have a carnival for the kids. Now that's saying it's, we're not satisfied with status quo. We want to have influence. And that's great. So take that simple step. And it might be volleyball. It might be, it might be having a block party. It might be uh, engaging with some people that, are, that, are, um, that, that you work with. I don't know, but invite them into the Love You Des Moines Days activities. There are so many opportunities. So many. Okay. Um, and then from self-centeredness to generosity. Um, one of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. And each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. I talked about this last week. The first relief effort, really voluntary relief effort by a group, really in human history, recorded history. And guys, we do stuff like this all the time. One of the ones I want to highlight today is our Valley Disaster Relief. These incredible uh, folks over the last year or so have had like 400 projects in our community where they're coming in and just bringing relief to people who've been in crisis because of storm damage or something that's happened. And it's just amazing. You remember that derecho? They were there and in many other circumstances. 
Uh, I, I, there's so many opportunities. Many of you have contributed to our K Fund. And this week, we were able to contribute a major contribution uh, to some people that were deeply in need because of COVID. And everything has happened last year, and we were able to make a substantial donation to some brothers and sisters in Christ who are a lot worse off than we are in Asia. Um, God bless you for that generosity. But that's what happened. When believers in Jesus move from self-centeredness to generosity, it makes an incredible impact. Okay, uh, last uh, section here, and that is mobilizing everyone's God-given potential. And there are three fundamental shifts in mentality. The first one is moving from self-reliance to relying on the Lord's hand. It says the Lord's hand was with them, and a large number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me, remain in me. We can't really do it on our own. We need Jesus. And so um, I remember one time teaching one of my kids how to, to, to ride their bike. And they had training wheels. And somehow the training wheels kind of, there was a little dip in, in the wall, sidewalk. And the training wheels kind of got on, on, on underneath. And the, the wheel was actually off the ground. So it didn't matter how hard the kid was pedaling. They just weren't getting anywhere. And so I had to gently nudge off the training wheel a little further up so that the, the, the wheel could make contact and then they could go. And that's what happens when we, when we move from just relying on our own efforts, our own training wheels, to just saying our own ingenuity, our own smarts, our own charm, our own whatever, to saying, yeah, I'm going to be active in this. Yeah, I'm going to pedal. But it's going to be the Lord's hand that's with me. And, and that's when we're going to see real transformation. It's not let go and let God, it's trust God and get going. Here's another one. To mobilize everyone's God-given potential, we move from being empty in ourselves to being filled with the Spirit. It says Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I was talking a, a, a few years back to a young man in Asia when I was there in Asia. And this young man, had, had his father, he had come to faith in Jesus out of a, uh, of a, of a different uh, religious background. And his father had kicked him out of the house, completely disowned him, persecuted him. But he kept at it. He kept walking with Jesus. He actually became a pastor. He baptized thousands of people in his 20s. And one of the people he eventually baptized who's an incredible uh, act of love. He just kept loving, was his own dad. And at this conference, I met this young man and his father. And guess what? He was teaching his dad how to be a pastor. The son was mentoring the father. That's what I'm talking about. He was, and what was the secret is? This young man was just filled with the Holy Spirit. He was so on fire. God's spirit filled him and he had this enormous impact. And then finally, to mobilize everyone's God-given potential, we move from being ordinaries to being what I'll call Christers or Christ followers. It says the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Guys, I don't want to be typical. I want to be a Christer. I don't want to be ordinary. I want to be somebody that somebody sees and says, now there's somebody who's really following Jesus. And when we make these shifts, and I just ask you to, one of them struck you today. When you make that shift, you're going to begin to see yourself mobilized to deeply love Christ and your neighbor. And you're going to be, see other people mobilized to deeply love Christ and their neighbors. I close with this. Years ago, over 100 years ago, well over 100 years ago, there was a shoe uh, salesman. Uh, he's just selling shoes, ordinary guy. His name happened to be Dwight L. Moody. 
And he, he came to faith in Jesus and he just says, I want to do more. And so he began opening up his heart and he began to reaching out to kids in the streets and he started a little outreach class. Um, and he started seeing these kids and he just loved these kids. And, and pretty soon, one by one, these kids in the streets of Chicago started coming to faith in Jesus. And it started growing and growing so much so that he started a church. He became a church planter, an evangelist, the world-renowned Dwight L. Moody. He started Moody Church and eventually Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Moody Publishing. What was the secret to all that? How did that happen? There was one day in his life that he heard another follower of Jesus challenge him. And he remembered what this man said to him and he said, that quote changed my life. And here was the quote that he heard and that he made his own. He said, quote, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And by God's grace, I will be that man. Father in heaven, help us all to say, we want to reach our full potential. The world has yet to see what God could do with a man or a woman fully consecrated to you. And today we pray that same prayer that Dwight L. Moody prayed. By God's grace, I will be that man. I will be that woman. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. God bless y'all.